you like having the uh, intro live, John? I do. It's weird because kind of gets things going, doesn't it? it? it, we, I, it run, everything runs through a, a, a level compressor, including that. So the fade on it, if you notice this, doesn't really fade until the very end, because the level compressor is trying to, as the as the intro is fading, it's opening it up, keeping it from from fading. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but at some point it, it it turns from a compressor into an expander. So at the at tail end, it just like fades off really fast. Mm. Fun uh, audio stuff. Yeah, that's how the sauce is made, right? This, did you see, you saw that label, right? Sandages. I saw the label, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, candy. So I have this, I have a candy. What the style is it? It is a lactose IPA, like New England IPA with lactose. Oh, you know I'm lactose intolerant, right? Well, hopefully... The, <laughs> I'm but, kidding. Hopefully we'll finish recording by the, by the time it kicks <laughs> in then. <laughs> I do warn people. Awkward. Anytime I serve lactose beers, I, I warn. I'm usually, I'm usually pretty okay with lactose and beans but when i get older things affect me differently now i'm still not sure i'm good at making the can so hopefully this isn't like oxidized from when i made it just need a just need some cookies yeah <laughs> it's supposed to taste like a christmas tree because i tried to use like these piney hops but i don't know if that really worked and then of course the lactose is just because santa's gotta have his his milk so I saw a funny thing. This is, I know this is like a month, month old type stuff, but it was a, someone did a photo of like a huge, like grilled tomahawk ribeye mm-hmm. and like a glass of whiskey next to it. And the caption was, because dad knows what Santa really wants or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Instead of milk and cookies, you get a tomahawk steak and whiskey. <laughs> yeah. I think we need to start some traditions like that. You know, Santa, Santa's trying to, trying to up his protein. Exactly. <laughs> Watch the carbs. You know? <laughs> uh, Santa's on keto. Yep, yeah. exactly. Uh, um, well, John, how's it going? It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's a couple of weeks and a new year. First uh, recording the new year. First time I've seen you this year. Yeah. That kind of reminds me. I, I think I do owe you an apology. You do? Well, because you called me out and also other people called me out for being such a grouch on the last recording. I thought we were both <laughs> kind of grouchy, to be honest. Maybe so. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, I think the noise level in there was frustrating me. It was, it was, it was abnormal, wasn't it? Because it, it was louder than normal. It was louder than normal. Yeah. And considering the strange times we were in, it was fairly busy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just kind of was started bitching about everything. So I apologize for that. Yeah. There's a reason we almost called ourselves the curmudgeons, so. That's true. Oh, what was it called? The, the, we had a, we should try to find that, the original potential title, uh, you know, names for this show. Cloud, oh, it. cloud curmudgeons. That was yeah. what it was. Cloud. I thought we had a, a document somewhere <laughs> that had all of them. I think we do. So, yeah. We knew we were going to be grumpy buttholes, so. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, yeah. Ken, there's no denying that. <laughs> Well, this, I know you said you had some stuff. I don't know you, what you want to start with. There's, there's, well, some, there's some news. Just There's some recent news. I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, Wade Wagner's leaving Salesforce. I did. Or I has that. left Salesforce. I think maybe today or tomorrow's his last day. Okay. Uh, he put a blog post on it. It's actually a pretty nice blog post where he kind of goes through kind of his experience in Salesforce. I haven't read it all, but and then he talks about some of the people he'd like to thank that he's worked with and some of his accomplishments and things. That's a really nice way to go out, so, I think. So it's one of these... Uh, I'd like to thank the Academy and name all my producers and I'd like assistants to thank the, uh, the Ohana. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Although, how do you leave the Ohana? You can't leave the family, can you? Unless you get disowned. Dis- what do they call it when you get kicked out of a family? Dis- uh, 
Dis- disowned, right? Disowned? Yeah, I think disowned. so. Um, it, it's not the mob. You can leave it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do no we need... families to, forever. Do we need to do a, a well check on Wade? <laughs> <laughs> No, oh, you know, we never got him on the show. We're we're really bad about that. Maybe now he can be on the show. He could not... have been on before. No, maybe maybe and I've had no, all... because we're too we're we're a reliability. We're we're I don't think so. We're I the, don't think so. We're on the what are the new words? We can't say whitelist and blacklist anymore. So what are the new words for um, those? Oh, that's a good question. Um accept list and deny list. Yeah, I think we're on the deny list. Yeah. I don't I don't think so. Um God damn it, I got a hole in my chin and it got on the couch. Trying to sully my couch. It's thirsty too. I want some Santa juice. <laughs> That's, that did not sound right. You're sullying my couch with your Santa juice. Yes. <laughs> oh, John. That's a good way to start the new year. I know, isn't it? Good old fashioned sophomoric humor. Yeah. Sophomoric, as I've heard it said. Yes. You cannot. You have to enunciate the syllables. You do. Yeah. Don't want to leave any out. No, no, no syllable left behind. No. But Wade's not the only change in the Salesforce lineup. Uh, Sarah Franklin? When, weren't you just telling me that you liked her? You I thought, do. Yeah, okay. I and then now she's like CMO or something, right? Yeah. Got, got a promotion, right? Yeah, she's got a promotion, so. Yeah. The, uh, the well, fo- congratulations, Sarah. Yeah. Maybe she'll come on the show. Maybe so. I mean, ask and you shall receive. I'm sure. I doubt it. We're not on anybody's radar. That's probably a good thing we're not on radar. Maybe that's why they would come on, because they don't know who we are. If they knew who we are, they definitely wouldn't come on. <laughs> yeah, but then we'd really catch crap after that. Yeah. It would be like one, we'd have one shot. Yeah. So we need to make sure. We, yeah. I mean, we should, since, we, since we'd only have one shot, we should just go for Benioff. That would be a long shot. Yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, that, that's, I, don't, I don't know. What would you even say to him? I, that's what I was just about what to say. What would I even I, ask him? I have no idea. I mean, there was a point in time where he was really involved in, or I felt he was really involved. He could still be, but my impression of him now is that he's so far removed from the daily activity that I don't know what I'd talk to him about. I mean, it just, it'd be, have to be, um, oh, the Great Reset. I'm sure he'd love to talk to you about Klaus Schwab. Yeah, but and, I'd, uh, it, I'd, I'd like it to be like a getting to know Benioff, you know. Yeah. You can ask him about his mustard burgers. No, uh, mustard burgers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ask him if you ever got that frog uh, Yeah. Um, he's into um, mindfulness. You could talk about that. Yeah. Could ask him how he's doing on his Fitbit. Talk about his, his steps. Um, his, you know, what's going on in Hawaii. I'd like to ask him why he hasn't sued Oracle about Apex. <laughs> well, I was, okay, so I posted that the other day in the site. Did you see? And I'm, yeah. I thought oh, the Oracle Apex predated uh, Salesforce, but I'm not, I'm not there's, sure. There's three things that have the Apex name in programming terms yeah. god why <clears throat> why is it so overloaded it's the apex <laughs> it's where things well, come together see the the way that the I, I don't know who came first but the way the second person got around it uh, is that w- one of them is all caps and the other one is not although that's how you find a salesforce imposter if someone's resume comes across your desk and it's got apex in all caps it's an immediate deny <laughs> there you go Directly did you know joke. i went to the i went to oracle site and i haven't seen their site in a long time they've done a refresh and oh, yeah. from a usability perspective, if you go to like or apex.oracle or Oracle, something like that, just search Oracle Apex. So they, you're saying they finally hired like a decent web design firm? No, they didn't. And oh, okay. here's why. Okay. You're loading it up right now, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it. <laughs> um, look at the, the menu the menu icon. Okay. It's, oh, it's it's the hamburger, but it's, but the, you know what? It's, a, it's that annoying thing that happens when you're eating a hamburger and the patty kind of slides off to the side a little bit because the patty is sticking out of the bun. 
Well, you're, you're, you know what? I'm glad you had that perspective because my perspective on, and I cannot unsee it, is that it's flipping me off. Oh, that too. That's totally <laughs> I'm like, I'd rather have the hamburger because now I see this and I'm like, it's flipping me off. If you look at the code for it, is there like a comment that's like, you know, Larry flipping you the bird or something like that? You should look. It says, it, it's, it's uh, your number one dot uh, gif or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, this actually is a lot better though. Let me let me drill down though. Let's see. Let's see if I go down to like MySQL or something in here. Like, how deep does it go? Oh no, it's just like I don't know. Or Oracle. well, their Oracle main site has that theming. So they're they're getting there. Okay, they're getting there. Let's see. How about Oracle Compute? That's the big thing they're trying to sell nowadays, right? Well, how about this? Can this you find? Good. Can you go to Oracle site and find the right Java installer to use? Well, first of all, you, you, the premise of the question is incorrect because you don't go to Oracle for the Java installer. You just go to adoptopenjdk.net or yeah, or go to Azul or um, Amazon's Coretta. I'm just saying, yeah. try, try to find the correct version of Java that you need from their site is a nightmare. Anytime someone asks, like clients, I always just say, just Google adopt OpenJDK. Mm-hmm. And because they have, they always publish the, and you can get like the latest version of Java or if you want one of the LTS, because, you know, I think 8 was an LTS, 11 is an LTS. Is it 14 or 15 is an LTS? Mm-hmm. So if you want the LTS, it's there. If you want the latest, it's there. And they're all free. They're unencumbered of Oracle's, you know, stuff. You don't have mm-hmm. to pay anyone for it. All right. So it's, yeah, it's easy. But no, it's a, it's a valid, valid question. I feel like it is interesting, though, just speaking of Oracle and Java. I mean, Oracle's still doing pretty solid. I mean, they're doing, um, they're still paying people to do really, really good work on the Java language. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure the, they're VM, too. And, and in fact, I mean... I think they're. I think Oracle's just directly contributing to Open JDK now. I could be wrong about that. I don't see why they wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I could. I could probably think of lots of reasons why they necessarily wouldn't. Because you know, they want to sell you your Java VM, and they want you to license it. And so I can see they why want, they want the big fish. And I think the they big, do. The big yeah. fish already do because they have to. Yeah. But so. you don't want those Oracle goons coming in doing your audits. You know, which they do. That's one benefit of going to cloud. You don't have to go and you don't have to send your goons in to do audits because it's all hosted on the vendor's uh, infrastructure. You know. It's true. Yeah. But yeah. Now, now you're at the mercy of the vendor. <clears throat> that's that's the space we're in, John. Yeah, no. All right. Well, what are we starting with? Uh, we could do some follow-up. Okay. Because you keep trying to get me to buy Bitcoin, and I'm seeing a lot of Bitcoin news, mainly of people who have forgotten their passwords to their wallets. Yeah, man, that's and are so out millions, sad. hundreds of millions in some <laughs> yes. cases. Yeah, it's it's right. Thirty nine five today. It was up, it was about forty forty thousand today, but now it's thirty nine five. Yeah, my wife finally caught up to the show, and she's like, "What's this Bitcoin thing?" I was like, "No, don't worry about it." You know what's funny? Because my <laughs> wife asked me about Bitcoin too. She's like, "What do you? What can you even do with it?" I did. Hold on to it and pretend you're a millionaire. Pretty much. I mean, you can either treat it kind of like gold or hedge against uh, inflation. You can buy stuff with it. I mean, not near as much stuff as you can buy with cash. But also, I I thought it was a preferred currency on the black market. Maybe so. it actually is. Um, but no, I I googled Bit. I'm not getting around now. I don't know why. But earlier, no, there it is. I googled Bitcoin because that's how I find the price. I just Google. Mm-hmm. Google shows me that. But if you scroll about halfway down, I get a I get a map just right around where we are right here. With all these little places, I have a DFW Bitcoin ATM on Warren Parkway, just right over here. So what do you do? You change your Bitcoin to cash? I've got Liberty X Bitcoin Cashier on Preston Road. Huh. 
I've got CoinMe at Coinstar, a Bitcoin kiosk at, um, over here on Legacy at the Market Street, the grocery store right over here. So, I, I mean, people are exchanging Bitcoins, I guess, for cash, <laughs> like ATMs. It's like Pog. What was Pog? <laughs> was that funny? Because uh, I, I didn't think you'd bite, but it's, it was those little cardboard yeah, the, discs that yeah, you right. could flick. Yep. It was okay. that game. That's what I thought it was. Just, People were collecting them like crazy. They were getting up there. The rare ones were getting up there in price. I mean, it was it was like the Beanie Babies, but it was Pog. That's what Bitcoin is. Gotcha. It's Pog. Yep. Anyway, so what did you want to follow up on that? That that you just uh, that you that you've missed out. <laughs> <laughs> um, just that that uh, that I'm glad I'm not missing a million dollars worth of it. Oh yeah. Man, I wonder how that happens. How do you forget your password to your wallet? Well, I think what happens is they created a wallet, you know, who knows they how many years ago. Mined a bunch ago. of stuff. It was worth nothing. They forgot about it. Yeah. And now they don't know what their password is. Yeah. There was a story I, I heard about, and this was a year ago or so, when I saw this documentary of a guy who was trying to tear up the dump because his hard drives with his Bitcoin on it was got dumped. Oh, yep. Yep. And it was like millions. Yep. That's just... Even if you found them, with being exposed, I doubt you'd even get it back. Yeah, I don't know. That's crazy. And it, I don't like the, and I don't know, I don't know enough about the blockchain and how it works, but since some, something had to compute that and it's supposedly a blockchain, it's linked and it's like this distributed ledger, like surely doesn't someone else have a copy of it? I mean, I guess maybe they do, but that's what I don't understand. Surely, other machines around the world have copies of this, but I guess, I, I but guess you, you have still, to have your password I guess, to access. It. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's the problem. And that's probably all. I mean, I'm sure that I guess the passwords. I guess you know your your ledger or whatever it is is probably cryptographically protected, and it's not like someone has a, a, a master key to it. There's there is no master key. If you don't have that password or or a private key or whatever it is, then yeah. you're not you can't you can't decode it. That sucks. It's not like leaving your $100 bill in your pants while you wash. That, that's got to be a uniquely terrible feeling to know that you missed out on hundreds of millions of dollars. Even a million. I mean, come on, let's be honest yeah. here. That would make me feel horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. It just seems like, I don't know. Never mind. Uh, do you see that there's some speculation about Zoom because they've been kind of doing some... some uh, Stock selling, and they're not doing bond selling, but they're kind of releasing more shares to okay. buy. And yeah. there's rumors that they're going to try to capitalize on a lot of their goodwill right now because they've got so many customers buying and high stock that they might be looking to make an acquisition soon. Nothing about what the acquisition is, just that it looks like they're gearing up to build some kind of war chest to start doing. Okay, so they're they're issuing stock. Or either that, or just selling treasury stock and then sitting on that cash. Is what you're saying? They're building up cash. This made it sound like they were diluting shares, so they were they were printing yeah. new shares. Okay. So, well, we know all about that, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, we'll, maybe we'll see some some aggressiveness from Zoom and see how that how that turns out here in the, this year. Yeah, or maybe they're trying to fend off a, a hostile takeover. No, oh, maybe. Well, we had some acquisitions. Did you hear about these? Um, we have IBM acquired seven summits. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. This is another consulting partnership, right? Or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot about seven summits, but they're in the Salesforce space. I know we have 
people in the That's not the first Salesforce companies um, IBM's bought, right? No. Um, uh, who do they buy? Um, Trust with an M or something, right? I forget. Um, no, it's not their first. Please bear with us as we Google. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. I mean, the only thing that's coming up right now is yeah, seven cents. But no, they've, they've bought, I, I forget. Um, about, let me show, how about some Google food here? Minus seven, S-U-M-M-I-T-S. Oh, <clears throat> Blue Wolf, they bought Blue, Blue Wolf. Wolf. That's that was, was. That was the yeah. big one. So, you know, I mean, that's the thing. You know, IBM nowadays is basically just a giant consulting company for the most part. Yeah, it seems that way, doesn't it? But yeah, they have, I mean, isn't it hundreds of thousands of consultants? I think something on the order of hundreds of thousands. I mean, yeah. Maybe even cl- approaching a half a, a half a million consultants. That's just insane. And they're, just, they're all over the world. Everywhere. But yeah, the press release said it's, it's part of a broader IBM investment strategy and services and ecosystem partnerships to enable uh, clients' digital transformations through hybrid cloud and AI. Oh, that's word salad. I also, it is. I also don't know that I would consider, you know, the typical sales, and I don't know a whole lot about Seven Summits, um, which is to say I don't really know anything about them. <clears throat> but uh, I don't what do you consider you know your run of the mill Salesforce consultant to be a hybrid cloud player. And that's no, a, that's a whole it's different, a different part set. of the stack and yeah. it's a whole different set of technologies, um different yeah, just different everything, so. Yeah. Um but to your point, it's probably just like corporate um mad libs, technology yeah. mad libs. Uh it says it builds on an existing strategic partnership between IBM and Salesforce. Um, what was their exist? What's their existing? I know they they had, they did some kind of hey they had some Watson integration <laughs> yeah, or something. Yes, yeah, with the health. It was healthcare and weather or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it was, it was. Yeah, some of their machine learning data stuff that they were sharing. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, yeah, IBM Global Services plans to e- significantly expand hiring, training, and certifications to support key growth areas for Salesforce, including Tableau, MuleSoft, and Velocity. You, that, that's one of those examples where you have to take the syllable out because there's, they took the E out of that word. They took the E out? Yeah, velocity. Oh, that's right. <laughs> velocity. Yeah. I don't quite have like the Russian accent to be able to pull that off. Mm. Uh, but anyway, while continuing to build out new Salesforce-specific offerings that leverage IBM complementary capabilities and deep industry expertise. So that sounds like a lot of fun. It does. And then uh, someone called Komodo or Komodo has acquired Mavens Consulting, who I think is are, there, are those not the people that brought you the uh, your favorite Salesforce IDE. It was a nice. It was a step above a text editor. Sure. Yeah, it was like a text editor with a with a, a Salesforce Ant plugin add on that kind of automated some of that stuff. For yeah, you. basically to help manage downloading of your class metadata structure and uploading it or deploying it. It's the alternative to the lovely, what was it called? The force.com IDE? Yeah. Yeah. I hated that the thing. Eclipse. The, the thing. Eclipse thing. So happy to get rid of that. I, I had not heard of Kamado. I immediately thought of the, um, these kind of like green egg competitor, you know, the, the Kamado, the Kamado oh, yeah. Joe that's, that or whatever just, it is. That's where it sounds familiar. I was like wondering why that sounds <laughs> yeah. familiar. I had to look it up anyway. So Kamado is a healthcare intelligence platform vendor. Oh. And they're based in New York and San Francisco. Double based. 
Maybe they have towers in both cities. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then it said about Mavens that Mavens provides cloud-based tools aimed at biotech, rare disease, and specialty pharma companies. Wow, they carved out a niche. Apparently so. Niching on down. We need a niche. Yeah. Uh, the terms of the deal were not disclosed, but something about Kamado had recently raised $44 million. So, anyway, congratulations to uh, the Mavens people and the Seven Summits people. I think both of whom are um, uh, members of the Good Day Sir community. Oh, cool. I believe. I mean, yeah, I'm positive, in fact. That's a good community. I like that community. I've heard some good things about it. Yeah. But there are a couple of assholes that run it, though, so I'm not... I'm not sure if I'd go there. Yeah, one in particular, I can imagine <laughs> who you're talking about. Uh, I, <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Well, let's see. I brought up Wade's thing because you mentioned that. I, I found his blog post. You want to talk about Wade leaving? I, wow, this is quite the um, it's long. <laughs> quite the farewell letter. <laughs> is. I, I was hoping I'd get to quickly read it and summarize it, but I didn't get to it in time. Although he didn't. I mean, first of all, I'm seeing that he has been at Salesforce for, for five years now. Wow. That went fast. It's only been five years? Uh, I, I, I thought it was seemed like, like two or three, but it also, and I, I do think, I mean, if you look at where Salesforce was to where they are now, just in terms of developer experience, I mean, I, I think Wade got a lot of, like, got a lot done and he, uh, don't worry, he will let you know all the things he got done in this blog post, <laughs> but it also goes to show you, and in fact, just looking through this, I'm just scrolling through and seeing, I mean, there are so many names mentioned in this on people yeah. that have helped with all these different things. And it goes to show you. Really, how glacially slow things happen at Salesforce. I mean, just to get some semblance of tooling that is considered like, you know, modern or uh, usable, it just takes incredible effort from m lots of teams, dozens or not more people, and, and years. More than, and it's, we're at the five year mark now, and they're not done. Yeah, but I think this was. <clears throat> This is definitely one of those things that I think was initiated by people internally and driven by people internally and pushed hard by people internally. Like this wasn't a top down, we want to improve our developer experience. This was, guys, we really need to improve our developer experience. And they pushed it up. Yeah, I think it was, I think, it, I think that's fair. But I also think there's, it was probably both directions because surely um, the higher ups at Salesforce were hearing the complaints. Maybe, but you got to remember at the time, probably three or four years ago, the big thing was low code, no code, process builder flows. But I, I thought mean, that they, was a big thing now. It's changing now, believe it or not. I don't know. I think it is. Well, the big thing now is flow, right? Yeah, but flow gets you closer to code than anything has before. You're... And the way it's structured and the way you have to think about it and the way you have to manage it, the way you have to debug it. Yep. I mean, you're you're almost there. You're, you're, so you're, you're draggy droppy, but you're, so you're, you're almost there. So you're saying dragging drop boxes and arrows is not magic? It's not magic. Oh, dang it. But it, it might, it might create, a, it might spawn some new developers as people go, man, I could type this faster than draw it. I think it will, actually. I think so. Um, anyway, well, did you, so did you, is there anything uh, here you want to go over? I haven't had a chance to read it all, but I mean, it's it's a... Big, long article. I would love to do it justice and, and talk about all the different things that are in here let's, let's from, from like the Visual Studio code extensions and all that, which I haven't really had to use, but because I have my, I, I feel like I'm on the outside of Salesforce development because I don't use 
Visual Studio Code. Does that make sense? We're yeah, we're probably in a minority. I would yeah. say. I would say. I mean, I've tried. I've tried to load it up and and everything, but I just enjoy the IntelliJ experience and the Illuminate Cloud experience a a lot more, and it than I do the Visual Studio Code experience because I've been using Visual Studio Code for for a while, and even before it became Visual Studio Code when it was originally the original kind of text editor, IDE, mm-hmm. Electron, or whatever, Atomio app, whatever it was. So I've kind of known about it for a long time and used it and seen it, and it just kind of felt like a really glorified text editor at that time. And then with Visual Studio Code, it got a lot better. But in terms of structure and the way I manage things and all the tooling and everything, I like the way it works in IntelliJ over this. Because it feels like everything's so bolted on. It doesn't yeah. feel like it's cohesive. I mean, it does seem like... Well, first of all, VS Code's been uh, obviously a runaway success in and of itself. Yeah. But, um, and then the Salesforce, whatever you call it, the plugins or whatever it's called for it, um, you know, seem to be pretty good from just all reports. And it's getting better. It's starting to get things that we have in in IntelliJ or what am I saying? In Illuminate Cloud. Illuminate Cloud. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I just, um, I guess I'm probably similar than you. First of all, because I do a lot of Java development and Java type stuff. And I also use IntelliJ for lots of things other than Java, including Salesforce. With mm-hmm. Illuminated Cloud. So I've just got, and because IntelliJ does such a good job of having like common actions and, and keyboard shortcuts and all those sorts of things across the different languages and tools, I mean, the things I use in Java are the same things I used in DataGrip, are the same things I use in, in Illuminated Cloud. It's yeah. just, the, they, work, they all work the same way and have the same concept. So I'm just, personally, and I think anyone who, you know, is, does have IntelliJ, just muscle memory, um, is going to be probably more more productive with Illuminated Cloud than they would be VS Code. And then and just obviously the flip side of that, if you are if you don't use IntelliJ, then I'd probably look at VS Code. It seems good. It's free. Yeah. So. Yeah, but I do kind of feel like I need to spend some time with it just because I, if someone asked me to set up their project in Visual Studio Code, I just wouldn't know how. <laughs> <laughs> Your mic went limp a, there. A, <laughs> sorry, it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> I have a dangling participle. Oh, it's got some performance anxiety. <laughs> it's the Santa juice, I swear. <laughs> God. Can you also I have not slept. Apparently not. I've maybe had like two hours of sleep. I'm gonna try to keep it where it is until the end of the show. <laughs> oh man. Oh. Um okay. And to that I say <laughs> Ugh. Okay, so he lists in the first year these these things, which is pretty interesting. Salesforce CLI, the Force IDE, I'm not sure if that means VS Code or not, uh, Scratch Orgs, Salesforce DX, Source Definitions and Projects, Next Generation Packaging. Boy, that one's moving at glacial speeds. Uh, it's so, getting there. This new release has some stuff in it, does it, and there's some things that solve some problems that I'm excited about. Well, I think on a future show, you should give us a, a tutorial on this, because I would like to hear about it. Well, I have some highlighted from Did the release notes that we oh, can talk okay, about. Oh, okay, great. Um, today is nothing, hey, nothing like the present, John. Yeah. Uh, support for VCS and support for CI slash CD and automation in general. Okay. Mm, it's kind of loose. Uh, yeah. Um, but that was that was a lot of things to launch, you know, on the first year. And then they, of course, continued a lot of CLI stuff and... Um, I think Wade did some bash completion type things. Let's see. <clears throat> then he says... Uh, Let's see. I remember telling Josh Kaplan, or Josh Kaplan told him a powerful story. He was he was watching a developer keynote at Dreamforce and a Salesforce employee uh, as a Salesforce employee and saw some. He said it might have been David Carroll or Jesper Jorgensen. 
uh, he demoed Heroku pipelines for the first time, and Josh thought to himself, I want that for Salesforce developers. We all said that. I remember that. Yeah. When they talked about pipelines and everything, I was, they announced it. I was thinking, are we getting this in Salesforce? Are we going to get to use pipelines with our Salesforce dev? And nope. But, um, and then uh, Wade just kind of caps that off with, he was so right. And boy, did we come close. So close. And I don't know if that was, I can't tell if he's meaning like, yay, look how close we came. Or if he's disappointed that they came so close, but no cigar. I'm not sure what he means by that. And then he links to the, the um, to the GitHub repo for the for the build the Salesforce build pack, and I just looked at it, you know it hasn't been touched in a couple of years, so it sounds like it's looks like it's abandonware. But mm. I mean, I also think that what's the it's the DevOps Center, right? That's maybe may kind of eclipse that even. So that's the thing I'm really that will solve so many problems. I think for I mean certainly for us, right? But so many organizations. Yeah, I have my eye on it, but I also have my eye on. I, well, I've been digging into Cumulus CI quite a bit and trying to understand that and understand the history of it. And I, I got to say, those guys did a great job with it. You can tell that they are, you can tell that it was built off of real, real world scenarios. Like they were actually using this. It wasn't like, oh, we need to build this and it should do this, this and this. Cause what if, what if this? No, it was, we can't do this. We can't deploy it this way or we're having problems. We need to build something to solve that. Yeah. And so it's, it's really constructed really well. The only, the only notch or thing I want to knock it on is that I'm not a Python guy, so. <laughs> Python's easy to learn, though. Um, I would actually recommend learning Python if you if you don't know it. No, I've, I've started and stopped it several times. I just had nothing to apply it to, so while I understand syntax and all that kind of stuff, I don't, I'm not using it every day, so there's no muscle memory there. So it's just I have to learn it every time I look at it. There's no uh, semicolons and angle brackets and stuff, so you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. I used to hate that, but now I like it. I don't know. I've kind of evolved mm. a bit on those kind of things. But I, I believe Cumulus came out of uh, .org, right? It is .org, yeah. yeah. It wears its history on its sleeve quite a bit. They have they have implemented a lot of things from DX to help advance it, but mm -hmm. you can tell some of it still is kind of wearing its history on its sleeve. So we'll see how, yeah. they, how they advance that or, if, okay. it, or if, if everything becomes DevOps. But they have some unique perspectives on how things are done that I, that I agree with quite a bit. Well, maybe... Uh, You'll wrap that into our, whatever our, you know, branch management, deployment management, environment management solution that we need. Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to get there. And if I do, we'll have a meeting next week. On it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll pencil, pencil that in now for you, John. Yeah. <clears throat> um, he talks about DevOps centers, not, not available yet, but we have customers using it. Um, he also talks about how, let's see. With, we did great work for DX, but we left low-code developers and Salesforce admins behind. They currently use tools like change sets, which have many flaws and don't work well with DX. I don't know that they left them behind. I don't think that's fair. I think, I think it's just a different skill set, and they have, to, they have to expand. They kind of have to grow well, or become the dinosaur. DevOps Center may, may leave them. Relieve them from having to grow. No, it's a it's a whole different way of thinking, though. It's that mindset. It's not so much the technology. It's not so much point and click. It's the mindset that they have to grow into. One of the big hurdles is, you know, if you're going to be doing <clears throat> like proper source, what's we what do we call it? Source based development. What does Salesforce call it? In the sale? Everyone else just calls it development. Salesforce has special <laughs> words for things that we never needed words for before. Yeah. Um, 
source-based uh, development, something, something like that. Like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and in your let's say you're using Git or whatever. Um, the, the trouble is, you know, because you you would like for let's say you're you know, someone who's working on the project who's doing some config work or something. You may not be a software engineering, but now the things they need to know in order they need to know how to run their environment. So get an environment, mm-hmm. get you know the the head of some branch deployed to their environment. Then they need to be able to make some changes and then put together a put together a commit for their changes and then somehow push that up or merge that into the right branch or whatever. And so this is just I mean, I've already said about six things that just aren't gonna aren't happening. Yeah. Not gonna happen. Well I, the other shift in mindset is that usually with that type of development, things are feature based. So you're developing a feature and promoting that feature as a collection. Whereas the admins and implementation implementers, <laughs> um, typically they'll have an org, they'll do all their customizations and then waterfall deploy. I'm going to say waterfall deploy, just mass deploy all those changes at once versus feature-based deployment or feature-based pushing and pulling. <laughs> Sorry, I just laughed at something my son texted me. All right, um, you're laughing at me. Yeah, I, I don't so know. I get words out. I actually like more of the continuous deployment type of thing, that just where you're just regularly, f- frequently doing small deployments, and and combining yeah, the, that the, with feature the, feature that finding. works if if everything is set up and everyone is kind of understands that flow. But if you're working on a team where you have to do code reviews and you have to validate things, then it gets a little bit ugly to do it that way. I don't know why you can't do code reviews with that model. Mm, I'm I'm not going to find the words to describe it, but I guess I mean, totally the can. scenario that I'm thinking of is you're configuring a bunch of things. You have some automation dependent on it. You need to build it, test it, deploy it as one thing, and then deploy that forward so they get testing involved. And then whether or not that it succeeds or not, it's easier to kind of move things back or say, don't deploy this or don't put it in front of the client. Because I'm thinking internal development or whatever, QA, and then client testing. Yeah. And so there needs to be something to be able to bring that all those things back or not expose that to the client. But when you're doing CI, and I'm really speaking to, in implementation projects, not, not, not if like you own the entire life cycle, but when you're kind of doing things and doing things for on behalf of other people, you kind of don't want to expose that to them until it's ready. I don't know if I'm making sense. Yeah, I mean, kind of. I, nothing I wonder is, you know, the, again, in, the whole the way the whole rest of the world does software is you you decide what you want to release you produce a build out of it <clears throat> you put it in some kind of test environment people do their tests you decide whether or not you vote or however it works on whether it should go to the next level maybe it's mm-hmm. a final QA then it gets tested there and you do all kinds of checks to make sure maybe you check how migrations work or whatever but anyway once that's good then you can put that build in production and it's the same exact build bit for bit every zero every one's the same as it goes through that process. And I wonder, even with this thing, whatever DevOps Center, do we are we going to get that with that? Because the problem is right now, like we can, we can, we might have a, a QA sandbox, right, where it's that's our final test, and what we get, you know, everyone has to sign off on it. That's where the, maybe the client does, you know, validation testing or whatever they want to do. And then, then your challenge is, well, how do I get that exact set of bits into production? The answer is, well, there's actually no way to do that. There's it will for certain be different in production. You are not going to have the exact same set of bits. Yeah. 
Uh, I think it's, you're, you're just kind of patching onto what's already there in production. You're not replacing it. You're you're kind of just patching on, and hopefully, hope you're just hoping that you end up with something that was close enough to what you tested in your test environments. Yeah, I agree with that. But I, I, I think some of the problem comes in that there's still a fair amount of modifications happening in production versus in other environments, and I think. The easier you can make it for someone who's less experienced to do something in a sandbox and have it pushed for them, or at least abstract them from the complexity of that, the less we'll see of that in production changes. Yeah. I hope. I, no, I think you're right. It makes sense. I mean, because that's that's one of the big that's one of the big causes for why you don't have the same set of bits in production that you did in your QA environment, right. because people are changing stuff in production. Right. And also, productions. I mean, honestly, kind of self mutates. I mean. Users change things in production. I mean, there's, um, it's, yeah, it, it's a, it's a very, almost seems like an intractable problem to some degree, just based on how Salesforce's architecture works. And it'll just be interesting to see if DevOps Center, how it helps us with that, if at all. Yeah, I'm really interested to kind of get my hands on it too and beat it up. And That is, that, of all the things I've seen in the past five years from Salesforce, that may be the thing that, if it's what I think it is, I'm most excited about. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, Cumulus CI has some good ideas in it. I hope some of those ideas appear in DevOps because it solves some very specific problems with the way they architected that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure things like Cumulus CI had influence on... Well, Cumulus CI and the tools they built on top of it. Mm -hmm. So you have the meta deploy and they had some new technologies too that they're, they're building on top of it to help kind of manage that deployment cycle. So That's another thing you could do a, a little tutorial on the show about, John. Well, I'm getting deep in it. So okay. yeah, we can we can talk about that soon. Uh, let's see. And apparently, Mike Gerholt has a um, old friend of the show. Mike Gerholt uh, has a has a blog post called "Why the New DevOps Center in Salesforce is Awesome for Admins." Yeah, that cringe bit. Well, he's that's. I think that's playing on. Wasn't isn't he kind of king of the you know hashtag Awesome Admin or whatever? Well, it he was? had the Awesome Admin podcast. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he's, a, he's just he's still working that shtick, man. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's his trademark, you know. You can't leave that behind. I know. Uh, let's see. I'll, I'll, I else? think on my dying bed, I'll say into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway. Uh, let's see. Oh, here we go. Uh, Salesforce functions. There's a whole section on that. Let's see. There's a lot to be excited about with respect to Salesforce functions. Unlocking languages beyond Apex, and he says, "No, this isn't a knock on Apex." Okay, fine. We'll, we'll cover that part for you. <laughs> uh, running outside of the core platform to get more elasticity. Great. Mm -hmm. uh, availability of libraries and packages you can build upon. Super great. That's yeah. so needed. And then finally, where's my bell? It's a knock. New billing construct, and pay for what you use. Oh wow. Yeah. Was he allowed to say that? I mean, what do you mean, was he allowed to say it? <laughs> I don't know. Salesforce doesn't talk about how they're going to make you pay for something until it's out. I don't, I'm not sure that's not been announced before. I just, I don't, I'm not. I've never heard in. them talk about how they're going to charge for that. Yeah, I haven't either. But again, I'm not very plugged in. I'm kind of <clears throat> doing my own thing these days. Uh, let's see. Yeah. While Salesforce functions as a deliverable, it might seem like a small thing given the Years it's taken to ship. Years? Oh, yeah, because it was... Consider everything else. built to support it. I told you Salesforce functions just turned one, but I actually think it's, you know, I'm sure it's been in the works for years. Oh, yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, I think Salesforce. It's not it something just kind of say, yeah, well, let's let's spin this up and see how it works. No, that. I mean, they're working on, you know, 20-year-old architectures, I think. That's why just these things take a really long time in Herculean And I, not all the problems are solved from what I understand. I think there's still an open question mark on how they're going to let managed packages deploy those things. Yep. Or even bill for them. Uh, that wasn't, well, yeah, I won't get into that. <laughs> Something yeah. similar to that is how they handled platform caching. So you can get, as a managed, as an ISV, you can get approved on a certified app to have like three megabytes of platform cache that you can deploy with. Yeah. So as long as your app is certified, you can deploy and you have that setting enabled in your dev hub or something. Then when you deploy, you have access to three megabytes of platform cache. Have you ever had good use cases for a platform cache? Uh, I've had ideas of things I would want to do with it, but it's all, it's not nothing that would be stable enough that I would rely on it. Yeah, I mean, it seems like one of those things that is mainly applicable to high volume yeah. sites where, you know, let's say that um, a user has, you know, you've got a, a, a homepage layout that is, has a lot of user-specific content on it. Yeah. And if you're getting, you know, thousands of hits permitted on that, on this homepage for this site you have, then that's a really good use case for caching. Yeah. But Salesforce has some of that built into Lightning components if you're building a site on there don't know anything about that um, but the problem is the the problem that i wanted to solve with it was inner component communications because i have this top level thing that's in aura and i have all my components that are in lightning so mm -hmm. i can't really build this app this this cohesive app that knows how to talk to the other components so now i have to rely on event messaging to do that well there's no built-in way of doing it so you have to kind of roll your own or kind of use this pub sub thing that um, i think peter Chitum built or at least published or made made um, popular. Um, so I've been using that to some degree of success. Cool. But that's where I was thinking, you know, things like platform cache or things like that, just kind of interactions that I kind of need to have almost in a session-like format where I just need for this session to kind of keep track of some things. Another use case that I was thinking of is um, data upload and file uploaders is have a way to kind of have it kind of monitor or present feedback in some kind of cache that can be monitored without having to store it in some table somewhere and just kind of have some memory cache that says, I'm still running this job, here's where I'm at, so that the UI, if the user is still looking at the UI, will get that feedback. Okay. Right or wrong, that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. And then at the end here, it looks like he's got a list of, um, just, he says there's so much more. I don't know if he's looking back or forward. I guess back. Um, next generation sandboxes. Under, oh, sorry, unlocked and managed second generation packaging. He says two GPs are the future. Mm -hmm. And then again, I think about how long it's been since I've been hearing that. I use them. We use them. Which which ones? The second generation unlocked packaging. or second generation? Second generation. Both. Okay. Second generation managed, right? Well, there's a third one now. Okay. <laughs> this, is, again, this, is, this is so Salesforce. Okay. What's the third one? It's a or dependent unlocked packages. Yeah. yeah. Is there a certification just for packages? <laughs> I guarantee you there's badges around. There's probably a super badge just around understanding. Yeah. I'm sure there is. What packages. I'm, I'm sure I probably should have those yeah. under my belt, but I don't. Uh, package push upgrades API and feature management. Yeah. He said, oh, and these things aren't, aren't directly related, but it's, I guess, the same people worked on them or something. Feature management. Hmm. Metadata one. 
Do you know that? I guess that's just a, uh, the, I think that was just the initiative behind closing the gap on metadata coverage. Yeah. Uh, dependency API. Any thoughts on dependency API? It's a tough problem to solve. Especially once you start getting into more dynamic use case scenarios. But the fact that the metadata hasn't been, at least to my knowledge, has not participated in dependency management. Like you have some new technologies that if you do dependency check, doesn't even recognize it, at least previously. I don't know about this later stuff, but I've seen scenarios like that in the past. And I, to me, this is one of these tooling APIs that we're, we need tool people to to build tools that use that API that then show us all that's what it is and we've yeah. seen we've seen some some uses of it i just it i think it's the same problem as the metadata api which is there's gaps in it and okay. you know as much as you want to rely on it 100 percent, you have to do so with the caveat that there's gaps yeah uh scratch org <laughs> shape and snapshots those are both pretty cool i think mm-hmm. data mask which is also pretty cool yep uh, apex improvements which are he says too many to share and often just internal. Okay. Uh, and then we have Apex Compiler. And he says, speaking of Apex, did you know that we completely rebuilt the Apex Compiler and released it? And had we not mentioned it, no one would have known. I bet if they told us the date, we could look back on Slack and see all the... Did, are you guys seeing this? Are you guys seeing this? How many gags? <laughs> it's funny. And, and I, I know what he means by that. He means that it's probably just way more efficient and... and, and the probably they completely re-architected it, which allowed which almost was like an in-place refactoring that then allows you to do other feature stuff on top of a better architecture now. But at first blush, that strikes you as if you completely if you put all that effort to it and completely rebuilt this thing and none of your customers even knew about it, being a customer company, did you just waste your time? <laughs> like No, no, it's like um But you you uh, heard my first thing I said about that though, right? What? The the my whole big preface to that, which is I'm Pretty sure the, why, the reason they did that is because they they needed a better they needed a compiler with a better framework that was more extensible. So there's because there's all the stuff they wanted to do that depends on compiler with a certain kind of architecture. Yeah, right. So no, I agree, okay. and I think the first fruits of that labor was the, probably the switch statement because I think that's when it happened was around that time because we hadn't really seen very many language specific yeah. changes. We saw I think that new was just data a, types, I think that was new just a class types. Us. No, I th I think that's I think there was something Maybe in so. the way the compiler worked that didn't allow for new features to get added very easily. And I think that was probably one of the first fruits of the labor. But anyways, going back to your statement, uh, CG artists in, in, in movies that develop CGI, their greatest compliment is if you didn't notice no, notice that something was CGI. You thought it was real. So uh, I take that statement as being the greatest compliment is that no one knew that we updated the compiler. Yeah, yeah I get you. Okay. And the security center. You know what that is? No, I don't either. Is okay. that part of the whole new 360 identity management thing? Uh, you know what? Does anyone know the answer to that? No, I guess not. <laughs> I really, ha I really, I'm really hating profiles and permission sets right now. I just can't seem to get them to play nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Especially because there's magic in the metadata that's that basically it only deploys what's in your package, those settings that are in the package or something like that. It's just, I can't just say, here's the profile in this environment. It's configured exactly the way it needs to be and deploy just that profile. Yeah. It just doesn't work that way. 
Yeah, there's there's something about those that I'll just never understand why they're so damn difficult to, number one, get a full profile and then just move that full profile to another environment. I, that yeah. just, I mean, it certainly, I can say this without hesitation, should not be this hard for yeah. us, you know, for users of the platform. Yeah. I get it that on the Salesforce side, there's probably all kinds of complications. But from our perspective, it's just like, this shouldn't be this hard. And I know that's one of the things I'm working on. Again, it's just these things take a long time. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I think overall, I think Wade's, Wade's had a good tenure at Salesforce. I think he got a lot done. I think he came into a situation where, in a, into a company that, while was still a rising star, had just lots of cruft. Lots of technical debt. A lot of technical debt. Honestly, pretty bad developer experience. And it's still not where it needs to be, but it's. It, I think he's definitely left his mark. It's. It's in a going in a. It's in a much better place and, and heading in a better direction. So I, I would say. Uh, I would say overall, congratulations, Wade, and uh, yeah. good luck to future endeavors. And let's find a beer somewhere. Uh, we're not allowed to do that anymore, John. Oh, uh, that's right. Even if you've had your vaccine, doesn't matter. You still got to wear a mask. Still can't do anything <laughs> for twenty twenty one. Sorry. Well, that was fun. That was fun. Thanks for the content, Wade. Let's see. Oh, Kotlin, since you mentioned compilers, they're, uh, they're working on their compiler updater right now. Kotlin is? Yeah. Changing their compiler? Improving it for performance and oh. things. Uh, I was going to ask you this question because it kind of triggered, triggered me. It was going to be a trick question. It's a pop quiz. Uh, okay. What came first, the compiler or the code? For Kotlin? No, just in general. Oh. <laughs> it's a chicken or an egg thing, isn't it? I mean, I think you have to know what code is going to look like in order to write a compiler for it. You have to have a basic grammar of the language so you can even lex and parse and all those all that kind of stuff. Yeah. The reason it inspired that question is because the uh, the story title, I guess is what it's called. Okay. Uh, for that feature is make the new Kotlin compiler compile itself. <laughs> oh, that's... <laughs> That's the title for I'm that card. That, I'm afraid the universe will explode or something if that. <laughs> well, no, possible. I remember that earlier. In, earlier in my uh, education of of programming, I was wondering how how did you how did what came first is the compiler. How did the compiler get created? Well, probably rudimentary machine code created one compiler, then that compiler was good enough to compile a new compiler, and then that com each compiler compiles itself. So it's like this this Borg machine making Borg thingy. <laughs> That's uh, out of my, above my pay grade, John. Yeah, it was curiosity to me. Well, um, so we, there are a couple non-Salesforce things that I had on my list here. I thought this was interesting. I saw, this is a tweet. The biggest story in tech that no one's talking about this year, because this is one of my, this is, this is one of my beats, I guess you would call it. Uber has discovered they've been defrauded of about, out of about $100 million, about two which is about two-thirds of their ad spend. How? Um, just click fraud and online advertising fraud. Oh. And and does do Google and Facebook have any incentive to reduce that fraud? No. I mean, no. you can make an argument they do, because if not, then people will reduce their spin and they'll find some other way to, some more effective way to advertise. No, but, not those two guys. Well, the problem is it's, they almost have a monopoly over. They do. Yeah. yeah. So you no. just, you just by default, you have, to, you have to be on those platforms. Yeah. It's just a given. That in a week where tech monopolies are all in the news right now. Yeah. Interesting. But anyway, that's, um, there's some interesting write-ups on that. I mean, this, this, this whole click fraud in general and just advertising fraud, digital advertising fraud is huge problem. And it has been for, oh my gosh, at least 10 years. 
I mean, I've been following people that have been covering this for a long time. I mean, I think it used. To, I think it's more automated now, but I mean, there used to be. I mean, you could easily buy like teams of people in like India or Philippines, just constant click fraud. You know, just click, 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 do all the things. You know, whatever. Yeah. There's certainly some farms set up for every technology you can think of: Instagram well, followers, Twitter followers, uh, ads, everything. And and some of these some of these competitive, you know, terms for ads and things are. I mean, they're they're many dollars per click. So, you get someone who can click three hundred ads in an hour, make a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars an hour off of someone you're paying five dollars an hour. Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely a lucrative business, and there's just you know, it's the problem is it's global, and there's it's one of these things where you know I don't think any in most of these countries can agree on um any kind of that what are the, what are these called like um. <clears throat> Not a tre- like a treaty or something like, hey, let's all agree. We're going to like only call the stuff that's made in the Champagne region of France Champagne, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, even that, we, that doesn't help. We they can, can do VPN. We, they can be anywhere with VPN. We can do it with cheese and wine. We just can't do it with technology. <laughs> do we, though? I don't know. Even that gets skirted. I might. Like, for, you, you remember like when, when, uh, uh, what was it? Angus beef was like the top tier. That's the one you wanted. And then all of a sudden, it started. They started selling Angus beef at like Jack in the Box. I'm like, well, crap. Yeah, well, because it has a. And one, now A5 have... Wagyu is becoming so prevalent. I'm like, it's not. Really there's that no prevalent, way. John. I'm just well. I'm just wondering <laughs> because I'm seeing it a lot more recently than than I had. Because and I'm like, there's no way that there's that many cows to supply that many people in the United States with A5 Wagyu. Because this is coming from like regional places in Japan. There's no way. They have that many cows to ship down here. Well, first, of all, I think I, I do think a lot of restaurants lie. Yes, I mean if you go and get a, a wagyu burger, I mean that thing probably has about a half a percent of the worst trimmings of the wagyu. Yes, yeah. that you can get. Okay, so now you can call it a wagyu burger, and there's no one, there's no one, there's no regulator knocking on your door asking you to see, asking to see um, receipts or proof mm-hmm. of you know just not happening. But you know when you find legitimate, well, I sent you that photo the other day of in the store. Yeah. A5 Wagyu. What was it about 300 bucks a pound? It was 100 bucks a pound, I think, but it was like 300 for what you're showing. Yeah. So, like, yeah. we would think it was one steak or two steaks. It was like $300. Something like that, yeah. Um, Did just, you buy it? No, no. Oh. No. But that reminded me of something else I was going to tell you. I forget now. When you brought up the, the meat thing. There was some other similar thing. It was just, anyway. Doesn't matter. Uh, Apple is on a hiring spree. Did you see that? No. Cloud, a cloud hiring spree. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I still think they're going to get more and more into services. I, uh, yeah, I why they I mean, maybe so. I know. I'm, I'm just, for better or worse, I'm all in on the services thing. I just signed up for the, the I went max out my family plan. There's 30 bucks a month. My whole family, and we get basically all you can eat. And it saves me a, a, actually quite a bit of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to some consolidation in the the TV streaming stuff. I'm noticing quite a few oh, deals, but yeah. um, they haven't consolidated the networks yet, so I still have to pay quite a bit for money that's going to the same company, which kind of sucks. Yeah. But. Well, now we finished, um, what's it called? Mandalorian. And so I'm oh, is it good? Set. Did you not watch it? No, I loved it. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I, I thought it was good. I mean, that ending was... I would I will say the first, I would say half of the season, the second season, was I felt every episode was really repetitive. We're, we're going to take the baby Yoda somewhere, mm-hmm. and we're going to have some problem, and mm-hmm. we're going to have to solve that problem and then fly the baby Yoda to some other planet somewhere. 
I mean, it's just, and yeah. it was like, this, the plot is not, there were several episodes in a row where the plot was not developing at all. I mean, the frog lady, what was her, how did she develop the plot? I mean, she didn't. It, she was, didn't. it was total MacGuffin. It was just yeah. a MacGuffin is all it was. And, but the second half of the season, the plot actually started to develop. And then, of course, great ending, yeah. I thought. I mean, yeah, I, no, that's, I, that's literally, been... I was like holding back tears. <laughs> on the, I'm serious. I, oh, I, I saw I'm that X-Wing. I saw the X-Wing. I was like, I hope. Fitbit. I hope yeah. Fitbit. Oh, spoilers. Shit. No, it's been long enough. It, John. No, it it's been long enough. Yes, it I'm has. I'm going to believe that. Hang on. I'm going to mark that. That's no. okay. I can mark. It's been long enough. No, it hasn't. I just, I just watched it. You did? Yeah, I just oh. finished it. All right. So we'll, we'll, surely I'm not. Right, we'll fix that in post. But uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, no. Uh, yeah, but yeah, was... no. That's that's been a common criticism. But it's so well done that you can forgive it. And it, you know, even though it doesn't move the plot or anything, there's still some character development going on there. There's still some things happening that you can kind of hang your your tooth on for an episode. Yeah. I mean, hang, e even that that hang uh, your tooth on that sounds painful. What was what was the words I was trying to say? No, hang your hat on. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Maybe hang your hat on. Just the fact that he kept trying to eat the eggs. I mean, that was that was just a running gag. That was just hilarious. Although that was like, uh, I thought he was going to eat them all. Re reptilia. I thought he was going to eat the, the baby. That was reptilicide, John. I can't support that. Yeah, I don't know. It was funny. <laughs> I loved it. Tadpolicide. Something like that. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, well, let's talk about what Apple's hiring for. Let's see. Amazon, uh, see, first of all, I thought this was interesting. Apple is heavily dependent on Amazon's cloud platform, spending over $30 million a month on AWS. It's fun to know. Okay, you ready? Yeah. yeah I mean, this is what uh, Apple's hiring for, skills-wise. So, Apache Cassandra, Objective-C, C, I'm out. Swift, mm. Kubernetes, mm. Docker. It's a lightweight container. Apache Spark. That's the amount of times I've said Apache already. Apache yeah. Mesos, Spinnaker, Presto, Apache Hadoop, Java, Scala, Linux, Linux, sorry, did I get the pronunciation right? Yeah. Puppet, Ansible, and Chef, they put that all in one category. Um, C++, AWS, mm -hmm. Google Cloud, and Azure, all three. Go, Python, your favorite new language. Mm -hmm. It's <laughs> the, what is Python, the new top for machine learning, isn't it? it well, Python's really high for machine yeah. learning, yeah. Just data science in general, really. Yeah. Because it's so accessible. I mean, the, the actual data scientists who are not generally software engineers, are not good ones anyway, um, it's a very accessible language for them. So they can cause all the problems, and the computer scientists can go and actually re-implement, mm -hmm. refactor those things. Usually with a language other than Python, but... Uh, Ruby, if I didn't say that already. And finally, the language that the internet loves and loves to hate, Perl. Oh, I thought you were going to say JavaScript. No. <laughs> no, Actually, conspicuous absence. I didn't even think about that. I know. Yeah. No JavaScript. It's there. In, it's there in spirit. Oh, it's there in everything. Yeah. Can't get away from it. No. Uh, the language that uh, Brandon and I probably wish... So there seemed to be a pattern there of... of cloud-based technologies it sounds like they're yeah they're um i think they're gonna start creating more service-based technologies that, that are hosted somewhere i mean it turns out the i guess the cloud is a thing john yeah apparently who would, uh, but those are false clouds who would have thunk Jeremy. it what do you mean they're false clouds they're false clouds beware of the false cloud yeah. oh that's right we forgot we were warned about that gosh yeah. what was that 10 years ago 15 years ago yep hmm when i talk about cloud like i don't even think about SaaS. Me neither. 
Uh, you know fast Functions as a service? Yeah. Okay. That was one little one I learned. I didn't know we had fast. Um, I, okay, I've seen this thing. This, was this in our Slack where people were doing experiments trying to figure out how to have, I think it was actually, how to have Zoom calls, successful Zoom calls where you're not making everyone's ears hurt without you having to wear a headset. Oh, yeah, I saw that. There were a lot of mic recommendations. And I would say, I, I just, you're, you're walking a thin line there. I just wanted to put that out there. Because while, yes, Zoom has decent noise cancellation, and, and what I mean, because I think people, some people don't quite understand this, is if you're not wearing headphones and you're on a Zoom call or a headset, right, something where the sound is going directly into your ear and not just out into your room, the problem is, is your microphone is also hearing that, and unless there's really good echo cancellation, it's sending people's voices right back into Zoom and into their ears, and they start hearing the echo of themselves when they talk. But I think Zoom's got... Well, Zoom, just like Skype and most of these other things, Teams, I mean, they all have... Hangouts doesn't. No, it does. It, it does. Some, some, again, this is where it gets dicey, because some of these things... Hangouts work. will explicitly tell you, use the same mic... And it should. It should. It should tell you. Like, because um, yeah. So these th these things all have echo cancellation to some degree. Some work better than others. Zooms works pretty well. But it's first of all, you're dependent on everyone having a good computer with good CPU speed and it can keep up. You're also depending on everyone having good bandwidth with very low latency and low jitter is a more important thing because as soon as the jitter starts to get bad, which is like the change in in latency, mm -hmm. uh, the Echo cancellation algorithm is one of the first things that just bails. Mm. And now you're the asshole with, that refused to put headphones on that's making everyone hear themselves. I just think it's still... Does that happen with me? Because I don't wear headphones. Well, you're breaking our company rules in. Our company rules are you have to wear a headset on calls. You have to wear a headset on calls. I don't do client calls. No. You do calls. You do internal calls. Yeah. And, and all, you, all you guys think that you're... You're okay, but you're not. I hear your CPU fan vibrating and spinning because the microphone's right next to your CPU fan. You're all kinds of crap that I shouldn't be hearing because you won't put a damn headset on. It's rude. It's like the assholes from the old business days when they, no one would pick up the phone. It was just speakerphone because I'm so important. I'm on speakerphone. I have my own office. I can't be bothered to pick up my phone. Do you have something something about this? Yeah, I do. Can you, can you tell? There's something here. <laughs> Do you, do you want to sit on the couch and we can talk about it? I think so. I'm afraid it's too sullied over there. I don't know what I'm going to be sitting in. <laughs> don't want to get any Santa juice on me. Oh, it's everywhere. <laughs> oh well, John, we should we should probably wrap it up. Hey, well, I didn't get to my release note stuff. We oh can do God. that next show. Yeah, let's. I, I yeah. <laughs> let's hold that. We're we're at an hour, and I want to get out of here. See, complain about me not being prepared. I'm prepared, and now you cut me off. <laughs> That's the thing. You wait till the end of show, and you 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 always at the end of a show. You say, "I'm bro. I, say, I was prepared. You didn't let me get to my stuff." I'm I like, told you about the release notes. I told you we had them. I told you two days this, ago I was going to have This is a conversation, them. and you, it's it's your responsibility <laughs> to be assertive in well, a just conversation. Just for that, I've only got one title pick, so you're gonna have to carry the brunt. You of that. always that. Well, that's actually doing pretty good. That's probably above your normal average. It is. I was trying. <laughs> I was trying. Oh. Um. Well, John, since you're me, yeah. <laughs> well, since you don't have any, only have one title pick, I will let you do the closing credits. The closing. Well, I don't know how to do that. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Everyone knows how to do that. No, I don't. I don't pay yeah. attention. Well, we've mentioned our uh, our Slack group several times. Mm -hmm. um, 
If you would like to uh, ask, the, they probably don't want you to ask them, but ask these people who their company just got bought. <laughs> or, uh, you know, if you've got all these, if you've got Salesforce problems and questions or anything, um, let's just say it's a, it's a, it's a place where this community gets together to, um, to chat and to help each other and all that kind of stuff. Um, especially since we can't do anything in person anymore. Anyway, we do that at gooddaysirpodcast.com. Click on community and uh, you can get yourself into our Slack group there. It's, uh, it's, I think we've run a special right now. It's only membership, $30 a year. Is that what it is now? No, I'm kidding. No, we, it's we upped it to 50 Yeah, we don't charge anything. It's Of course, it's free. Um, I just sent out a big batch of stickers. Sorry, it was really my December batch that became my January batch, so I apologize. Uh, you know who you are. Uh, those went out, oh, and I always pray and and cross my fingers on these international ones, because um, some of them I loaded up with like this little, little bitty envelope full of like 20 stickers. It's heavy. It, it's not near as flexible. It's supposed to be a flexible envelope. It's not flexible anymore. <laughs> and I just look, I'm not even sure. I'm like, I think it's like $4 to New Zealand. I'm not sure. So I just put a bunch of stamps on it <laughs> and just hope it gets there. I thought you had a machine that calculated it all. Well, you mean this thing called a scale? Yeah. No, I, I thought was... you had like the Postmates. No, it's not Postmates. There's like some thing you put a scale on it. It gives you the exact postage. I mean, well... No, I don't have. I do not. I don't know what you're talking about. I do not have anything like that. I don't have um what stamps.com equipment or any of that kind of crap. I thought you had something like that. I thought no. you said you had like this. I mean, I have easy a scale. Tool. I have a scale and I have stamps. Okay. So I know how much it weighs. I know where it's going. I can look up on the postal service's website and see how much that's supposed to cost. Hmm. And I even tape. Like I double tape the backs of these things with packing tape just because I don't want them to get. You know, they have a long journey ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, many continents and lots of time zones and probably several plane trips and. Who knows what? So I try to package them up so that they'll make it and put a lot of stamps on. And so if you're supposed to get stickers and I would say if you're in, if you're in the United States, you don't get them in a week, let me know. Um, but if you're not in the United States, give me, give it probably two weeks, actually three weeks. Yeah. Three yeah. weeks, maybe. Um, but that being said, well, no, given that you don't send them off until a month later, ping Jeremy a week later and say, did you send them? <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, but we still have lots of stickers. I do. I mean, I'll, I'm going to try to get better about sending them out more frequently. But please let us know if you'd like stickers. They are free. I've already. We already have all the envelopes and stamps. I just I need, I need people to request stickers. Um, so if you do that at info at gooddaysirpodcast.com. Just uh, let us. We have to have your address. That's that's the thing that people tend to get tripped up on the most. <laughs> like I need your. <laughs> I need to know where to send them. And I can. You know, I can. I can comfortably put like if you have a, a group or you want to hand some out at, at work or whatever. I can comfortably get ten and probably can squeeze. More than that, I, I get worried though because again, it's the I just send first class envelope mail, and there's it's supposed to be very floppy and flimsy. That's like the rule. Mm. And if you put too many in there, it turns out it gets pretty stiff. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, let us know. Uh, what else, John? Um, hmm. We also Share us, like us. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. I mean, that's how this community, love a review. That's how this community. Honestly, that's how this community grows. I mean, think of think of all you people that have that have found out about this podcast or this community recently. I mean, we've been here for seven years, and you just found out about it. That's because we need more people to sh- just just to spread the word, whether it's uh, the socials or at work or whatever it is. You know, um, th- there are people who, you know out there who would benefit from knowing about this community and listening to this. Well, I don't know if they've been from listening to the podcast, but the community more. Than yeah, the podcast, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, just share us. And we also, you know, reviews, uh, at the Apple things, iTunes, whatever it is, Apple podcasts, I guess, or, or whatever, wherever you can leave reviews. 
And just, you know, all the little thumbs up and likes and hearts on the, the pocket cast and the overcast and all those casts of the world. You know, I think, I, I don't know. I don't know what that does. We try to be everywhere. That may, maybe it raises us some, some algorithms so that more people find out about it. I don't know. But this is a, this is a nonprofit thing. John and I certainly, certainly uh, <laughs> don't make any money on this. We're just doing our thing. We're getting together, having a conversation and, and trying to, you know, kind of started this little community, but it's, it's a thing of its own now. And we just, you know, very, every once in a while, just do the slightest little bit of stewardship. But other than that, it's just a, kind of a, a thing on its own that we're just members of. So share the love. Yep. And to that, I think I'll say good day, sir. <laughs> yeah. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.